This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Hamilton, Happy New Year. Uh, this weather, I don't know what the hell is going on with it. Like three days ago, it was minus 15. It's like now five degrees and sunny and everything's melting out here. Something, what just, we say it all the time. This winter is explicit content. It really is. It really is. It's, it's weird. Prince George in the wintertime, isn't it? Well, no, not like this. We don't normally get five or six degrees and above this often, especially when we had what a month ago we had minus 50 with the wind it was sitting around minus 45 without it's it's north pole south pole type thing equator it doesn't really want to know what it, it doesn't really know what it wants to do it's even doing that down there with you though you guys had a foot of snow plus yeah two feet yeah it was interesting. <laughs> fifth uh fifth biggest snowfall in um in record at the victoria airport so yeah it was pretty good so but yeah. well, there's no snow where you're going or where you're at right now i suppose no it, yeah, Reno's uh, Reno is uh, it, it's a winter wonderland, man. It's uh, it's it can be cold, it can be rainy, and yeah, it's been snowing here. And actually, um, a bunch of snow forecast for the week. So yeah, it's hmm. uh, it's a good good day to be inside and talking about wild sheep and uh, celebrating wild sheep with Sheep Week, man. Oh, it's awesome. crazy! When I was there in what twenty twenty, I was outside in in t shirt in in that time of year. It it really made yeah. people look look sideways. Like well. Oh, you're from up there. Okay, yeah, this is down yeah. very balmy, twelve degrees or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's a good time down there. It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Sheep Week, the Super Bowl of uh, the industry, it's uh, pretty cool and uh, just yeah, lots of really cool stuff. And um, you know, we're glad to be down here this year. Uh, so our guest in 108 is uh, Tanner Danish, and uh, Tanner is great supporter of the Wild Sheep Society BC, great supporter of the Wild Sheep Foundation. So this year, we got a really cool knife collab we're doing. So the blue tongue virus die off two years ago. Um, a bunch of those horns we were able to collect through permits. And uh, we solicited those, um, grabbed them, and we worked with Tanner to come up with uh, a blue tongue series of knives. So we've done, T Tanner, what he's doing, he's doing seven different sets of knives. Everyone's custom, everyone's unique. And the first set is on sale on um it's at the life member breakfast oh wait no it's on the wednesday night so he's got another knife on as well but so there's one on for uh on the auction on wednesday night so go check that out so wild sheep society bc donated that with tanner to the uh, wild sheep foundation and uh it's one of seven um it's got three knives it's absolutely beautiful two of them are um got the raw uh the raw horn sheep horn and then the third one's polished is braided absolutely beautiful knives so you can actually bid on them right now this came out this is yeah we're, we're pre-recording but this is coming out on the wednesday and this is happening wednesday night so anyone listening today wednesday can bid but if you miss it it's already gone so but that knife is going to do well it's already at 500 us uh, like a week out or something like oh, that oh yeah so, really yeah. cool he posted pictures on the inst on his instagram the other day it's like an ebony and ivory type series if i'm thinking of looking at the same one it's just beautiful it really is just awesome looking yeah that's actually the second one he's oh. did and i actually ironically that's a that's a collaboration with myself so with the, the Wild Sheep Foundation Board of Directors, uh, our longest-serving longest board member, Wayne Henderson, 
Tasked us all and said, go out and get some donations. You guys, like every board member has to donate this year. Go out, work hard. So what I did is I approached Tanner. I said, I'll go Havers with you. So, you know, let's build a knife. Let's put a price tag on it. Call it two grand. I'll put a thousand bucks in. You put a thousand bucks. I don't care if all your thousand bucks is the workman and the things and I'll pay for the material, whatever that is, but we'll split the cost. And so collectively, we donated that knife. It's called the Eclipse. So Ebony and right. Ivory, like you said, and it's, oh man, I, I'm buying that thing for sure. <laughs> I probably don't have deep enough pockets, but uh, I've been bidding on it. It's already north of 500 US. Oh, it's They're, you it's that's beautiful. bidding on it. That's you under the... I have been, but I'm not the only one. Some some jerk keeps outbidding me, uh, jokingly, obviously, but somebody keeps outbidding me. And But yeah, it's a gorgeous set and I love it. I, I definitely want to buy that one back, but I also want that bloody uh granby blue tongue series as well so two beautiful sets of knives mm. and uh just you know again hats off to tanner you know his conservation ethic uh he, he's always stepping up and um yeah we're pretty pretty lucky to be affiliated with him so, yeah great yeah. great segue there speaking of stepping up just going up to the northern shortly after you're back and there's tanner with yeah so, yeah, exactly. So the Northern Fundraiser, February 3rd and 4th in Dawson Creek. Uh, Saturday night's sold out, but Friday, um, we still have a few tickets. It's our Friday night kickoff party. First time we're doing it. We haven't done this before, and that's partly why it hasn't sold out. People don't really know about it. Uh, we're promoting it hard. And what we're going to do is um, Tanner and Frontiersman Gear came up with a uh, – they, they set out on their own to create a conservation film, a caribou conservation film. It's a hunt film, but it's – it's under the guise of, of conservation. It's all about cine- cinematography. It's about the landscape. It's about the animal. It's not your typical, you know, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man, like, you know, killing stuff, right? It's really, really focused heavily on on the landscapes. And, and actually, truth be told, I haven't seen it yet. But we're all going to see the debut on the Friday night of the uh, Friday night kickoff at the Northern Fundraiser. It's sponsored for, by Frontiersman Gear. Uh, we got backpack races. We've got um, horn aging, and uh, with your with your fifty dollar uh, admin or uh, admission, you get uh, drinks. You get well. I think it's one free drink. You get um, food, uh, appies. So it, it's gonna be one for the books, and uh, I can't wait. It's just I'm super. The northern is amazing anyway, and then. Coupled with the fact that we've got this ad on the kickoff party, it's going to be a blast, man. Oh, yeah. There are door prizes. There's vendors. Uh, the, as you said, the backpack race. And it's, what, 50 bucks a ticket? And there's it's only 250 yeah. tickets. And it's going to be a great exactly. great opening night. And, yeah, tickets will sell out, as, as they always do for events like this. And, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I wish I could make this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. So February 3rd and 4th, tickets are only on sale for another week or so. So if you want to come to the Friday night, go grab your tickets, 50 bucks, um, dirt cheap. It's on our website, wildsheepsociety.com. Click on Northern Fundraiser, grab your tickets, bring a friend, and you will not regret it. Um, With that, we're episode 108. Uh, We've had Tanner on before. We've talked lots about knives. On this one, we talk about other stuff too, right? We do talk about some knives stuff. But we talk about conservation, we talk about the film, talk about a ton of interesting things. Um, Tanner's had an obviously fantastic year, um, killed a massive caribou, and um, and uh, yeah, it's just always a great talk to get him on the podcast, and we will have him back again. So uh, episode 108 with Tanner Danish. Enjoy. Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods 
on a mountaintop or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. Tanner, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Cool. So I'm sure it's uh, a balmy Friday morning in Prince George. It's uh, what's what's going on up in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's not too bad, actually. It's uh, I, I feel lucky. I feel like it hasn't been that bad of a winter. I mean, you see minus 35 coming down the coming down the pipeline, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're in the north. Yeah, yeah. We had a couple of days of the crap, but it's been it's been weird. It's been what a week and a half ago it was four degrees above and now it's what minus 10 minus 12 it's been weird but yeah next week they're calling for minus 40 or something yeah yikes yeah it makes me yeah it's uh it might even freeze in victoria here next week so i'm a little nervous about that but uh. (laughs) lifestyle they might have to run down to mexico to stay warm oh yeah he's gonna have to not cut the lawn on saturday or whatever yeah bundle up uh anyway enough about the weather um so hey man you've been busy you're hustling it's you know we've had a bunch of smaller events and we're like hey come out you know display your stuff you're like no i got nothing to display so uh obviously business is good so you know it's been a while since we had you on the show we talked knives last time and just kind of like you know a little bit like mechanical type stuff um hoping to just get an update on what's going on with the frontiersman gear what you're what you guys got going on i know there's a lot of cool projects underway so uh bring us up to speed on what's going on over your neck of the woods uh well it's for the last year kind of the big big portion of what we've been doing is uh, we're building a new production shop up here in prince george we purchased uh, three acres and uh we want to build i really wanted a Obviously, as the business expanded, I wanted a production shop for that, but I wanted to have a community spot, a storefront that's not, you know, just there to sell, but just really old school hunting, uh, hunting store style where there's, you know, chairs and lounges and coffee and people can come in and just hang out and just like a real community spot for people as they head north. I mean, Prince George is such a nice central location that everybody has to come through here. So we've been working on that. That's been a huge project that we've been pushing and kind of delaying a lot of everything, but uh yeah we're kind of kind of roll we're rolling on some cool stuff for you guys um to kind of work on some conservation on the bighorn side and we just pushed uh just kind of work through a film for this fall uh, or sorry for the previous fall that'll get released at uh this spring so yeah there's been a few things on the pipeline for sure that's awesome man and uh seen some really cool stuff going on too i've seen uh with uh you just had an auction down in seattle and one of your knives was on auction with robbie down there and you guys just crushed it uh, on that donation eh? yeah it did it did really good i was really happy with that you know when when you see uh you know four inch hunter and you know do it up nice mammoth everything like that and it goes for 1800 us it's feels good so it's nice that you know the the frontiersman name is kind of popping up around the world now which is pretty pretty damn cool to see if if I can say so, it's uh, it's humbling, man. Honestly, if I, if I'm being honest, the last couple of weeks has been like a lot of reflecting, looking back on the on the previous two years, and it's like it's pretty cool. You look at you know the amount we've been able to donate in the last year, the amount that you know our blades are going for now, and it's like yeah, I feel lucky. 
Yeah, it's awesome, man. You you know you've you've great, gained that reputation, and, and like I, I just love watching your progression. And this shop, like uh, when this all comes together, I I'm just so stoked about it, man. Like uh, I just love you know one of the things I love about you is your your communication and your social media presence and telling your story. And I know this with this new shop, it's going to be just that much better on top of what you've already done. So yeah, really definitely. really cool. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hiring some new people and getting some more people on board and getting good jobs in the north and you know stuff that people can actually enjoy showing up to work at. They don't hate their life and you know they want to stay for Friday barbecues and that kind of stuff. Just old school, you know how it should be and how it used to be. I want to bring that back. Awesome. Well, it's bloody inspiring. I love it. So okay, uh, you talked about a hunt. So okay. Um, so for our listeners, the Wild Sheep BC, you approached us and said, hey, I got this wicked caribou draw. It's, it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime draw, um, and I'm thinking about doing a, a film on that and asked us to get involved. So let's talk about, let's talk about the film. Let's talk about the hunt. Um, I don't know how much you can share, how much you can't share, where people can see it, what's involved. Let's, let's go into the, let's dive deep into that film. Well, yeah, it's, it actually came to me, uh, last year. Uh, I went on a caribou hunt last year in just a GOS area and saw kind of, you know, got reminded about, I, I grew up in the North, but you just kind of not forget about it, but just get reminded about the, how spectacular it is and, you know, the landscape and the animals and how cinematic it is and how, you know, it really just hit me when I was up there, how nobody is showing you know, a lot of people love to show the hunt, explain the hunt, all that, go into the details on it and really find minute details. But I want to show the landscape of it. And I think, you know, for myself, I fell in love. I, I grew up and we, we hunted for sustenance. I've been hunting my whole life, but I fell in love with animals from like Nat Geo style documentaries, from those close up watching, you know, caribou eating and, and hippos blown, blown water out of their nose and that kind of stuff. That's the shit that made me fall in love with animals. And I wanted to do the same thing for the North because I think we've, uh, you know, we could meld hunting and the beauty of wildlife together in such a way that, you know, just never does get shown. So, yeah, I got, uh, my plans were kind of destroyed after the caribou closures uh, that we all know about. And I wasn't really too sure what to do. And, you know, it just happened to pull pull a pretty nice LEH tag for this, for uh, for last year. So, uh approach you guys put had the film already kind of lined up approach you guys and and blood origins i i have to say thank you to them because they helped out also and uh wanted to do a nat geo style film a wildlife documentary through the eyes of a hunter and show how a hunter sees the landscape uses the landscape everything like that where the actual hunting itself is just you know it's not up front and the whole story of what everything is it's about the animals it's about the landscape so we uh yeah, I ended up, I headed north. We headed up north mid-September, um, picked up uh, Je- Jeff Agostino from the airport up there and and headed in. And, you know, it's, uh, we, we've been laughing about it a lot and we still talk about how, you know, it, it, this one will not be beat. Like you always write the schedule on like, okay, this is exactly how the hunt's going to go, you know. We're going to, you know, see all these animals we're going to kill on day four and we're going to be out of there by here then and just how everything's going to go. And it worked perfectly. Like it was, we had 10 days of perfect weather. We had, you know, we, we saw grizzly bears, but no crazy encounters or anything like that. We saw almost no other people in there. It was just, it, it was one of those things where you're just like, well, yeah, this is never going to be beat. So we saw, um, 
a real quick breakdown of the hunt. We just, we, uh, we drove in there. We was a drive in like off the road style, set up a base camp. And as we rolled into where we were setting up base camp, came over the last plateau and there's 200 caribou standing in front of us. And it's like, well, (laughs) this is going to be interesting. So, um, it was good for me. It was good practice and it was good. Uh, it was a nice change of pace where it was just working on being super selective and targeting an old animal. And, you know, um, you know, when we're passing on 10, 12 bulls in the whole trip, you know, it was, we were passing on bulls every day. It was nice in that situation to not be working against other hunters or anything else like that. So it was really a hunter's dream in that situation. Um, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about it. I want to show it on the film, but it's, uh, I, I got a really old caribou. I'm super, super lucky on that. It's about as old as a caribou as you could, you could get nice big bowl as big as I'm ever going to get in BC. So, uh, I was super happy about that. And yeah, filming went amazing. We got, you know, stone sheep on camera. We got caribou footage at like 50 yards. We got moose or we don't we got a little bit of moose footage, but we just got so much like ptarmigan and grizzly bears and all this other stuff. So it's uh, I'm really, really excited to show this off and kind of show how amazing the North is. That's cool, man. So, you know, you pitched us on it. We're like so super stoked getting involved. Um, talk about um, talk a little bit about how Blood Origins got involved and, and sort of how does that fit in their mission statement and, and sort of. Um, I guess the I guess the takeaway for us was this: you pitch it to us as a conservation film, right? And um, I'm really I think that's a really cool aspect of you're showing this in a different light. This is not a hunting film; it's a conservation film, even though there's hunting in it. So, touch on that for us and why that's important. Yeah, it's um, it, in my mindset. Um, we and, and we always talk about this bridging the hunting and non-hunting public. And how we reach that, let's say, 80%, 85% inside. And when we really talk about conservation and, and, you know, and people touch on it all the time. But I mean, you know, just, you know, whether it's giving, you know, wild game, feeding it to, you know, friends that come over that aren't hunters or taking the non-hunter out hunting, like with one campfire, that whole picture of everything that goes on with that. It's, it's the whole idea of of bridging those two things together. So for myself, um, Blood Origins is a great organization and their whole thing is to take, put, just bring hunters into a different light. I feel like it's, you know, it, it works so hand in hand with actual conservation work where it's it's so needed. It's such a 50-50 balance where we really need to teeter-totter on, you know, we need to work on actually conserving those animals, but we need to work on bringing hunting and and hunters as general showing them off in the best picture possible. And that's where I felt like with this film, it was a great opportunity to do both of those. So we got to show off a lot of the information about caribou, caribou recovery, animals in the North and what affects them. And at the same time, the real purpose of all this was to show off hunters and how, you know, to really take if nothing else is to take the target off of our back because it's so it's such an easy I want to say a marketing campaign for the government that they can just target hunters. And we've talked about this and, and, you know, it's, it's a rhetoric that keeps getting uh, mentioned where anytime, whether it's resource extraction or management or whatever it is, it immediately goes to, oh, well, hunters are the problem. So it was a good way that we could, um, it was, it was the way that I wanted to target or take the target off of hunters backs, show us in the best light possible and show how, 
you know, how a hunter really looks at that landscape and what we can do for animals as hunters and how important we are. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, we, we got to find a better way to communicate that. And, and it's interesting. We've seen this with the Region 4 LEH, how, um, you know, hunters are, you know, we're bearing the sh- uh, burden of, you know, mismanagement and a whole bunch of other factors that have nothing to do with hunting. But where do we go? We go and shut down hunting, right? So it's like, um, and it was interesting. I was in a government meeting here this past week for a couple of days and a bunch of stakeholders were at that meeting and, you know, things kept coming up and they're like, well, we're going to have to restrict this. We're going to have to do this around hunting and trapping regulations. And we're like, yeah, but that's not going to fix the problem. It's not even going to stem the problem. The issues are this, 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 and a whole bunch of other things. And you're not doing anything there. And they're like, yeah, we know, but we can't really do anything else. And it's like, when do we start talking about the real problems, right? Resource extraction. Uh, you know, we want healthy industry, of course. That's not what we're after, but we want uh, a healthy balance. And it's like, you know, we just keep getting our our butts handed to us over this whole, uh, you know, hunters being blamed for declining wildlife and that's not the issue yeah and and i mean it's and and i don't even blame them blame anybody i don't put the blame on on the government or first nations or even anything on this and people have asked me about it but my opinion is that it's just such a just a lack of knowledge It, it hunters the 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 heritage and idea of hunting has been passed down from from direct word of mouth where I would take my son out hunting or directly take somebody else hunting and then they would do the same thing. It's not pretty in media. Animals die during hunting. We're not, you know, harvesting steaks and the animal gets to run away and grow some new steaks. Like we have to kill that animal to take to take the meat from them. And so it's not the prettiest thing. And it's just, I, I understand that it just has not the knowledge has not been passed on to the general public. So uh, for myself, I think the heritage of hunting, when you look at, you know, the history of us on the landscape with animals, since animals have been on the landscape, somebody's been hunting it, whether it's us or bears or other predatory animals, it's always hunting is there. So I think getting that information out in the best way possible, it's, it's so important along with, you know, actual, like I said, actual conservation work of boots on the ground, you know, helping the wildlife populations, surveys, bios, everything like that. And, you know, I hope that if it's portrayed in the right light and there's enough media brought to it on the, let's call it in quotation marks, the, the pretty part, the, the nice part of hunting, the landscape and everything else to it, then maybe we can get some more funding. Maybe we can get some more we can hire more bios. We can have a bigger say in government because what's work or what's happening now is not working. Like that's my thing is we keep beating that dead horse and we have, you know, we have a couple avenues and we're like, well, that, okay, that, that didn't work. Let me try it again. It didn't work. Let me try it again. And it's like, well, what the part of language, what the fuck you guys, like, let's try something different. At some point we have to th- throw freaking noodles at the wall and see what sticks. Like, so We'll, we'll see what happens. Like, I mean, I, I, this, I, I'm going to be completely honest. This film is not for the average hunter that wants to watch and see day by day playback and all this stuff. We almost don't talk in it. Jeff and I, like there's no field audio in it. There's no updates. There's no what's going on. So um, just, I, I hope people realize that it's for the general population and it's, you know, it, we're, we're doing our best to try and find a different way to bring hunting up and to, you know, raise it up. 
That's awesome. And we need to do that, right? That's, we have to, it's like you said, you know, we keep doing the same thing and expecting the same results. So if we don't start changing the narrative somehow, and I think we're getting there, I think hunters in general, right? Like we've, we've done a pretty poor job of communicating our, our story. Uh, interesting. You talked about our heritage, right? And that was one of the things with one campfire when we were working on setting that up. What our our hunting heritage does not resonate with the general public. They do not give a shit about. Yeah, my dad taught me to hunt, and that was family time. They don't care about that. It's just not a thing. There's a bunch of things that people care about when it comes to hunting, but mm-hmm. hunting heritage is not one of them. And it's you know talking about it is is a total waste of time. Well, it's strange because if you look back on the the, the timeline, as Tanner said, hunting has been around since the dawn of man, not eating meat and vegetarianism, veganism, and all the alternative diets. That's new in the last hundred years. And how did we go from literally thousands and thousands of years of being hunter, trapper, gatherer providers for a family and it being so, we'll call it mainstream to where we are now. It just doesn't, it's, it's mind boggling to me to see the absolute hate for hunting that, that, that we see out there. You, all you need to do is look around at some of Robbie's posts and it, with the way he engages the African side of things is amazing. And you, you're showing a 10,000 pound elephant or whatever it is being taken apart in a matter of hours and villages lined up for food and to use the animal. It's that's the stuff that needs to get out there. Yeah. It's just Tanner said, it's not pretty, but it is part of life in order for us to live something has to die. You have a footprint on the ground and between one campfire and blood origins, we're, we're doing the same mission, but completely different tactics of it. And it's, it's trying to find that balance that, that what's palatable to the ones in the middle. It's, it's tough. It's a tough balancing act and we're, we're walking the knife. Right. And, and like, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to realize that we are trying to explain like you're trying to explain how skydiving feels to somebody that's never been up in the air and it's like i i understand that it looks so foreign and it's so weird to even look at from the outside but you talk to guys that have jumped out of planes and i I maybe have talked to one person that was like yeah i didn't like it everybody else like i absolutely fucking love it once i actually did it i I, i'll continue to do it the rest of my life it's no different I, i can't you can't expect somebody that's never went hunting never understood it never understood the time and energy and effort that goes into it and the emotions and feelings that a person goes through while hunting i'll never expect the general public to do it and the general public's gonna you know large city centers and the growth of it they will never see it so i mean it's at some at some point we have to understand that it's not us against them it's just education is all it is that's right. We, we don't expect them to pick up a rifle or a bow and get out there. It's just, hey, okay, I understand it. I don't hate it. I don't have to like it, but I understand it. And I think that's all we can go for. Exactly. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff I'd love to chat on that. And this is great. Um, but there's a bunch of other things I want to hit on too. Um, so let's let's try and go back to um, the, the caribou hunt. Now, you brought out the big guns for this. This was not... Like when you came to us, you're like, I'm doing this, I'm going to spend the money and I'm going to do it right. I think you went out and got the best videographer out there, uh, Matt Zinniel. He's, you know, worked for Shockey for years. He's He's got an incredible reputation. He did your video work, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You know, I'm, 
again, I got really lucky and sometimes stuff just is meant to be. I really believe that because it worked out where he was flying out of Shockey's camp the day before uh, the day before we started filming, which was just what are the chances of that when a guy's got a booked up year and he's got only two open weeks that he has is it two open weeks we're going up there. So, um, no, my mindset on it is I just anybody that knows me knows I, I will not do something halfway. I, I kind of go all out and go a little crazy on it. So uh, when I reached out to you guys, like, I mean, I, I was fully prepared and you, I was going to empty my pocket on to be able to do this, not to sell it, not to make money, not do anything. I just, I feel so strongly about pushing this message out. I needed, I, I needed the right people to do this. So yeah, I reached out, uh, how the time I went, I actually, I reached out to Brandlin Shockey first and, uh, Brandlin helped out huge and he passed on to Matt, uh, Brandlin, committed uh a a sum of his so strict time to be able to do the post-production on it which is absolutely amazing so we've got his team working on the entire post-production on it and then matt did all the filming and all the you know a lot of infield directing work and all of that stuff and you know it's it's so incredible to see somebody that just has an eye for the actual situation of, of what's going on a person that's not just focused in on over the shoulder you know classic stuff like like we've been talking about but just it's such a wide view of everything where like you know uh, we're we're going through b-roll footage right now and, and you see shots where he's like you know panned up at just clouds rolling in over a mountain and then it and it hyper focuses in on also this macro of just a, a rock with moss on it and that moss is just barely moving in the wind you know a couple inches in front of the camera and it's just his eye on stuff is absolutely incredible it's really the the cinematic aspect of it is something that i i hope for i dream for but you know once you actually see it come to fruition you're like holy shit i'm really happy i yeah, I, I, you know, emptied my pocket on this. Awesome. And you talked about Brandlin, and it's interesting. Brandlin, you know, growing up, going all over the world with Jim, but on the podcast we learned that you know, he's basically doing no hunting stuff now, a lot of outdoor stuff, but nothing in the hunting space. So, you know, you wanted this film for the general public. You, you know, it is a, quote, hunting film in the sense that there's something that ends up dead in it. But um, it's really cool that you brought him in because – He's going to have a lot different flavor than a lot of other people with just his particular expertise, right? And yeah, and I mean, I, I got lucky that he would even take it on. It, when he fir- when we first started chatting, it wasn't really even something that he was going to have time for, or even willing to take on. By the end of it, um, once he understood the whole vision, the picture, uh, he was able to get you know his team on and commit some of his time to it. So it's again, I just feel so lucky that I was he was willing to take it on because. You know, it's it's one thing to have, it, it means nothing to have the whole vision and, oh yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do this, this is what I want to see, but you just get another director or another, another dude involved and it looks like everything else out there. So, no, Branlin is, you can see from his work and, and it's pretty cool to see how he drifted away, not drifted away from hunting, but just focused in on so much else in the outdoors that it, I, I think it's going to, he was just really the perfect person for it. I, I don't, I couldn't, uh, I can't see now looking back on it, anybody else taking it over. That's really cool. And it's interesting with Brandlin and just to go down that rabbit hole for half a second, he, you know, even when he was in the hunt space, that's what made him unique is he didn't, he didn't have any preconceived notions. He wasn't trained by like the, the quote hunting mob that 
does post production work. He just did his own thing, and he's like, "Oh, this will work." And he looks back at it now. He goes, "That's pretty, pretty ridiculous." But he just didn't know any different. He was just doing his thing, and and it was hugely successful because it was different. Had such a cool, and that's the thing too. Jim has probably killed. You know, I talked to Jim about this privately. He's killed more stuff than anybody in the world. Probably he's probably the most prolific or renowned hunter. Certainly in the top top few. Yet a lot of people look at him like, oh, he's this great conservationist, which he is clearly. But you know, typically he should be painted with this brush, like oh, the evil hunter, right? But Jim isn't because of the way he tells his story, right? Uh, Brandlin was a big part of that. Jim's early stuff was kind of the conventional stuff that you see, but you know, then it changed, right? And of course, I'm not saying Jim didn't have an influence on that as well, but Brandlin was part of it. Absolutely. And it's just, it's such a, you learn that it's such a team effort, like, you know, and it's, you know, whether it's bringing in people like Dan Minsky, he's an amazing director that's worked on a bunch of stuff with Beyond the Kill and, you know, we're working on, on with him on some stuff this year and, you know, and that's where it is. He, he did so much stuff on that uh, Shockey Uncharted and you, you just really see the different aspects and the avenues that go into it and how important all this stuff is to tell a story um, more than just hey, we're out hunting, we killed something, cool, get right on, drive back, drink some beer. It's just another story, right? Well, that does describe hunting, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nine out of ten uh, times, yeah. <laughs> uh, sheep hunting anyway, right? No, just kidding. Um, so, okay, so now when do we get to see this thing? Let's talk about um, where we're going to see it. Uh, is it going to be widely available? What's going on in that aspect? So the the first official viewing of it the best place you can see it is uh where you know you're going to be able to see it is uh the friday night at the northern northern fundraiser with you guys um up in dawson creek that's going to be the very first premiere of that film um we have a connection with uh, discovery plus they get first viewing rights at it so i'm really hoping it gets picked up through them again not because i'm getting paid i'm not getting paid anything by them doing it i just want it's a, are the best way for us to get it out to as many of the non-hunting public as possible. Uh, if they don't pick it up, then it'll be going just it'll be going regular onto YouTube, where it's going to be available to everybody, and we're just going to push it hard on social to try and reach out to uh, to get it out to everybody on it. Yeah, that's the hard part, right? Is getting it outside that echo chamber. That's what we found with transmission too. Like you know, it was a lot of our hunt stories are, we're just talking to the same people or, or, you know, transmission was a education piece around the domestic and wild things. So, you know, trying to get it out outside the echo chamber is such an important part of it. But uh, yeah, we're really stoked about the Friday night fun night and our Friday night kickoff is for the Northern. So uh, our Northern fundraiser is February 3rd and 4th. We typically have done it on just the Friday on the Saturday. We we'd have our event. Now we've added, and thanks to Frontiersman Gear for sponsoring that. You're, you guys have stepped up and you're the sponsor for our Friday night. So you can see the film. Uh, we're doing backpack races, a bunch of giveaways. What else you got uh, going on on the Friday night for that, uh, Tanner? Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be finger food. We've got, we're going to do a horn agent contest on that, the normal stuff there. We're looking at doing maybe uh, just some average, like fun stuff, whether it's, you know, mule deer score and that, just kind of bringing everybody together. Um, it, it, it's really important to me again with that whole community aspect that there's stuff like that where it's not, um, you know, the suit and tie is great, but it's good to just get together with, you know, all the folks that are coming up there and have a big uh, 
chin wag about everything and get a big group of people together so there's door prizes there's you know we're going to do raffles uh we're kicking we're getting some custom knives ready to have there and there is going to be one for a door prize and uh just um make make it as much of an event night as possible we want to make it better than saturday night but i mean don't don't tell robbie that he might might have a heart attack <laughs> he will have a heart attack and, and i am telling him that for sure so yeah <laughs> awesome and then we're also going to show the film on march 10th in kamloops so again on the okay. friday night we're we're going to show it there as well um so uh thank you for you know providing that for us and getting it out there and and then, you know, hopefully we can try and get that message out in, in front of the non-hunter too and keep spreading the great work that's being done, right? So Absolutely. So if we can get it into a streamer's platform, that's 100% the direction we're going to go. And if it doesn't happen, then we're going to pull every contact out of uh, the Rolodex that we have. And just, uh, I'd really like to do, t- take that film and do a big uh, tour down in the States. And, you know, that's where our the real population is. Like we can't, we, we can say Canada is the, the homeland all we want, but in reality, you know, you got to look down at the States. So I'm, I'm going to be taking it down there. If it doesn't go to discovery, then I will be going down there and doing uh, kind of pulling all the strings that we can to do a big podcast run and get it out to the public as much as we can down there outside of the, like you said, the hunting realm. We, we we're so pinholed in here where we just think this is everything, but there's a lot other avenues that a guy can take it. Awesome. So the big thing is if a discovery picks it up, then we won't be able to watch it through conventional channels like YouTube or whatever. But if they don't, then it's probably going to be more widely available sort of in the spring or something like that, possibly via the, the, like the website or whatever. Yeah. So, um, if it doesn't, if it goes to a streamer, then it'll obviously be on their platform. You know how it normally works is timed on there. So whether they have it for six months, 12 months, it'll be in a contract and then we'll receive the film back. Um, we have to remember that there's those streaming platforms have millions and millions of paid subscribers. So there is a little benefit to it on that side where we got to take that bullet. But yeah, if they don't take it, it'll go out right onto YouTube and we're shooting for it. It'll, it'll, we'll put it onto YouTube just after the Southern, uh, the Southern uh, fundraiser there just to make sure, you know, we want everybody to come out and, and watch it at the, at the fundraiser. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, cool. So let's, um, let's transition now and talk about what's going on with um, I guess the business, what's going on there, what's happening with uh, So you got the new shop going. Um, you guys, you guys have, have any knives available it seems like you're always sold out you you did that collaboration with btk recently which was cool i bought one of those um and where are we sitting with product yeah so uh, like being completely transparent we've had we i had to make the decision which was do i keep limping along product drops and them just selling out crazy fast or do i kind of slow down on that side push on the building this production shop and that's the direction we've went so um I appreciate everybody hanging on for all that. We've had almost nothing available. We have leather goods. I love the leather side is rolling like crazy. I've hired Lewis. He's our full-time leather guy. He's an absolute wizard uh, with any of the leather goods. So he's doing basically everything except for knife sheaths on there. Um, 
And then as soon as that, the new production shop is rolling, so end of February, we're going to be back to doing full scale plus some where we're talking, uh, we're, we're ready to scale up and do it properly with all equipment and space and with we're going to have the people on board where we can do it. So starting uh, end of February, we'll start doing knife drops again for all the mountain series. We've got Ridgeline blades that we want to do. We've got other partnerships that we're rolling on with Taito knives and some really awesome stuff there. Um, yeah, so we've been kind of just just limping along trying to get by and, you know, um, we're going to open our custom books up. We're going to have more custom knives uh, available like we used to do for raffles all the time and all that. Uh, we, we haven't disappeared. We've just had to uh, re- rearrange priorities and we only have so much time in the day. So we're, uh, we're playing the long game here for sure. That's awesome. So when you get the new shop, what like, so you, you kind of, the leather thing came along sort of in the last couple of years, that's kind of been a new evolution, I guess. Um, where, where do things go with the new shop? You're going to have this extra capacity. I know you had talked about, you're going to have your guys doing more of your, you know, your regular run stuff, and then you'll work on the custom stuff, the stuff that you like to do. So what, what new stuff can we expect in, with the new shop and when things get up and running there? Uh, to be honest, I want to hit, um, on, on so many of the tools that are just, uh, uh, like, like things like machetes, axes, everything else that a lot of stuff that is totally doable to do. It's just, you don't make a a crazy amount of money on it. So businesses shy away from it with the extra production size that we have. And then being able to, you know, use a lot of these regular drops to cover overhead and everything. We're going to work on specialty tools. So I want to work on trappers, hatchets, machetes. I want to have, you know, actual skinning tools, proper stuff made really specific items so things like you know uh like multi-tools for when you're caping out uh caping out an animal out in the mountain something ultra light that you know fits perfectly and in ear that you can push out there and and little things that are specialized for the hunting community and then um the whole Ridgeline series that we've been working on for almost two years now. I've been dialing that in. Uh, I was supposed to launch about a year ago at this time, but I've just held off on it. Uh, it's gonna—it's basically a full-handled, regular knives as you would conventionally think of them, not ultralight mountain stuff, but just at a better price point than doing a full custom build. So full handles, everything like that, and we're gonna be rolling on from. Uh, we're looking at maybe doing kitchen knives. It's not on the on the docket for sure but everything from flaying knives to deboning sets butcher sets we want to really cover um really cover everything on the knife side that a person could want from you know they, they always say like the thing that all knife companies say but we want to do it too is that field to fork right so from the first stage to the last stage and really specialize on those unique tools like beaver skinning stuff and like i said that that turning tool that we're working on yeah, that's cool, I, and I, I look forward to that. I think occasionally you've had a few like specialty, like kitchen knives and stuff like that. And uh, so the wife, I've showed the wife whenever something new comes on, like, oh, check <laughs> this out. She, 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 she understands my uh, my obsession with it, and she's like, well, what about some kitchen stuff? So it's every time there's something like that, I'm keeping an eye on it. Usually a fundraiser or something, but then it goes so ridiculous, I can't afford to buy it either. So uh, yeah, looking forward to you doing that because we'll definitely be picking some of that stuff up. So. And, and I really want to do more, like I understand our custom prices are kind of crazy for the average person. And I, I totally hear that. So I want to do a lot more on like just building like stuff that's in my brain that's been rattling around for years that I haven't 
had orders to do and then just raffling that off so you know the average person and you know the you know the average guy working nine to five that's you know economy's pretty tough right now i i totally understand that this is out of their wheelhouse but they can buy a 20 dollar ticket and then you know win a couple thousand dollar knife set out of it so i really enjoy doing that stuff and and uh whatever we can do to like get back to i don't want to say get back to the community but you know just just say thanks to the people that really have supported us along the way yeah awesome so let's i was going to dive into that next so that's a good segue let's talk a little bit about you know you're giving back so you've supported um you know a lot of veteran groups you've supported the wild sheep society bc other wild sheep groups uh, i know alberta um this year you're donating to the foundation i know blood origins so um you know let's touch a bit on that like you know you you give more than the average person so um you know what's your 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 ethic around that your thought around that and you know to me that's one of the reasons i support you i obviously love your your stuff um amazing stuff but also just how generous you are with your donations and so you know i think that's a big part of what you do talk a little bit about that for us yeah uh, yeah I, I don't really know what to say like i mean it's it's kind of um i talk lots and just i sound like a broken record talking about the community thing but i think it's so important i think uh you you know as a as a species humans have gotten away from you know being part of communities and you can see it again in small towns where you know if somebody needs eggs you're going to just bring eggs over and really simple stuff like that that people used to rely on neighbors for and i mean um when you look at giving and conservation organizations veteran programs whatever it is if giving five percent of my sales donating five percent of my gross sales to conservation organization is going to drown my business and put me under then this isn't an effective business in reality you know more people have there's more in the pot than people think that there is and and i think greed gets in the way for a lot of people and you know people i i've been told that it's the wrong way to look at it but money has never been the driving factor for me i believe that if if you know if a person continues to give back and support this community then it builds the economy of the community up anyways so i'm going to be getting more orders as it is as i give back and you guys do more and you know let's say sheep hunting becomes more accessible for more people and or it becomes more on the front lines more people are going to want ultralight knives to go sheep hunt so in reality it's a big circle that all fits into it it's just somebody has to initiate in it so um i i do my best to try and uh spread the love as much as i can i i feel so strongly about conservation i feel so strongly about our wildlife and animals and i don't have the time to donate so if you don't have the time you should be able to kick up the money for it and and it's pretty easy to cut out you know that case of beer that you buy on every friday to be able to actually donate and you know feel better about that and at the end of the year when you add everything up and look at it which i just did for this year it's like that is pretty cool it's it's pretty awesome and it feels it's a lot it didn't feel so big each time i was doing it but once you look at it at the end you're like yeah okay that's a good chunk of money which feels good yeah it's awesome um and you know super generous man Uh, so i want to talk about a little bit about some of your 
what you're working on for us. So you know you've always been you've been supporting us right from the get go. Um, kind of early days, you reached out and said, "Hey, I want to get involved and support you guys." And and we've been so grateful, and our members, uh, you know, we just get such great feedback from. And we've done a few collaborations, which has been cool. But then they're just straight donations. So let's talk a little bit about this Blue Tongue series, and and we can talk a little bit where that money's going, why we're doing it, uh, where where those horns came from, and but talk about the product and what you're working on right now, if you don't mind, please, Tanner. So I'm working on seven sets uh, from from the the sheep that died off at that Granby. Uh, that Granby herd, the blue tongue herd that uh, most people did hear about how hard they were kicked. And I really wanted to do something uh, to fund as much money and push as much money back directly in there. And, you know, it's a shame to just let a bunch of horns go to waste. So we may as well make something cool about it. So um, on my custom side, I really pushed to chase uh, the art side of knives. And that's what this seven set is there. A, they're seven sets, all different shapes. Some are, you know, matching capers. Some are, you know, butcher sets, all kinds of different stuff. They all come with stands. They're numbered, plated. A real collector series. It's our first kick into having a large series that should be collected, displayed, and shown off for, you know, the lifetime of them. They're, they're still built the same. They're going to be able to be used, everything like that. But they're just done with absolutely the best materials. No co- corners cut. No you know, no cost wasted or anything like that. So we've got seven sets. The first one's going down to, uh, going down to Reno. Uh, that's going to be number one of seven. The only place you can get it is going to be down there. Uh, it's a th- three set of caping knives. They're super cool. Like they're, they're next level, uh, next level badass for sure. And then, uh, the number two set is going up to the Northern fundraiser. Again, that's going to be the only spot that you're going to be able to get these. They're number, they've got grand, grandy plates on them. They're all certified. Um, and then the number three set is going down to Southern as for the next, the other four sets, you're going to have to wait to find out where they go, but, um, we're just trying to raise as much money as possible. Um, that that's the whole purpose of this is that my goal is that out of these seven sets, we can raise 30 grand for you guys. Um, it's really important to me, whether it goes back to collaring in Granby or just general work on those Granby herds to recover those herds. They need it. And, uh, this is a good way that, uh, people are going to get a really cool product and, you know, be able to give back to something that is truly in need so badly. Yeah, dude, I'm so stoked about this. It's going to be such a, a cool, and yeah, I, I have no idea what they're going to go for. So, you know, my pockets aren't that deep to bid against some of these guys. But, you know, the Gramby die-off, so there was a blue tongue virus die-off. It happened uh, not this past year, two years ago, I guess it was. And um, some of you will remember it was so blue tongue was just this weird uh, midge, this little tiny fly that passes along this virus, I believe it is and um, caused this die-off, and there was literally dozens of sheep that died from it. So what happened was the ministry allowed us to get those horns. Uh, we're in touch with Tanner, and we came up. Tanner came up with this vision for this Blue Tongue series. So seven sets, it's going to be really cool, and you're truly getting a one-off custom with the stand and everything. I'm so stoked about it. And uh, I think that first one's going to be available at the Life Member Breakfast in Reno. That's what we're doing with it. And... Um, so it's going to be great um, to see that. Anyone that's interested can check out uh, Wild Sheep Foundation's online hunting auctions, and it's going to be available there. You can bid on that, and that thing's going to do really, really well. I'm, I'm pretty confident just being the first one of the series and, and only, well, it's a one-off, right? So 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, there, there's such a value to like actual like collector stuff and knowing that you're getting a complete, you know, truly one, one of a kind where it's never going to be replicated is super important to guys. And it's what's important to me when I'm buying products too. So uh it's gonna be cool and you know that that horn is damn cool those grand those grand as we found out now cutting into it uh i don't know what minerals are in that ground there but they're all completely jet black so it's got such a unique cool look something that i've seen a little bit of it in other big horn but these are 100 percent jet black i've never seen that before so um if (laughs) if you're looking for uh as but as a unique of a as uh knife set as you can get this is this is definitely it oh that's cool man i can't wait to see it um yeah so i guess you have to wait for it um i well the auction's three weeks away so um it'll be online shortly but uh yeah pretty stoked about it and it's gonna be gonna be awesome so yeah absolutely cool so what's what's on the plan for you this winter? What's going on? Um, anything anything else on the agenda? You're just building your your shop. That's the focus right now, eh? Yeah, we're just pu- pushing hard to do that and and developing and um, developing new products. And you know we're in a good position now to do a lot of testing. So we've tested, I think, eight different products over the last fall. Like new stuff that's coming out. A partnership with Wild Sheep Foundation Alberta blade there for them, which is a really cool blade. Um, but just a bunch of other general products and just working on, like I said, building this center, this spot and building the best experience possible for all the employees we're going to hire. I want to, I have the goal in my head that by the end of next year, I want to have 10, 10 people in that shop, uh, between running, wow. running the storefront and in the back, helping us it's sustainable and doable for sure. So we're going to keep pushing and marketing and doing everything we need to do that. And you're going to see. I, I can promise you that you, you can you're gonna see in the spring once the shop is done that we're gonna cycle back into uh proper marketing and and you know you, you say our instagram's been so good i look at it and i absolutely hate it lately it's just it's not what i want to see and not how it should be but um yeah it, it, it's just the the growth of a small business is wild to see from the outside like i mean i I, I took a bit of a risk doing this and it feels really good to see it pay off. And I mean, that because, that's because of this whole community. So I want to give back as much as possible, whether it's um, we're going to do like things like once a month, like the first Friday of every month or whatever it's going to end up being. We're going to have live music and pit roast barbecue and it's all going to be free to attend, free to come out, free drinks, free food. And it's just that's the kind of stuff that's really important to me that I think, you know, we, we become so disconnected through these technology and phones and, you know, just life being busy that when was the last time you just like met a group of 10 guys and had a bunch of drinks and had a great time, you know, it's happening maybe once a year for most people. It's like, ah, it's bullshit. Like we, how how can you, how can you feel invested in somebody else's success if you're not with them and chatting with them all the time and doing all that stuff? I've got, I, I feel lucky. I have an amazing group of guys that I've surrounded myself with. And when you see like consistent support some support and push for success through all these guys you know like holy shit these are like 10 dudes that are doing good stuff starting small businesses rolling on you know media and outdoor stuff and adventures and it's like that once that train's rolling and and that ball is moving it's just it's pretty hard to stop so i want to i just want to spread that out to the general public more and you know and you know so many people that are in the 
in the hunting space that don't have mentors or don't have, you know, somebody else to go hunting with. It's, it's an easy thing to connect people. We just have to do it. So it's a, it's the biggest goal for me next year is just to try and connect this community as much as I can and like really get everybody invested in each other's success. So, you know, you bring up an interesting point with that, like COVID changed the way the world works, right? It did. There's no doubt about it. For two years, it did for sure. And we're still seeing the leftovers of that. You're wanting to change that narrative, which is awesome. We're seeing now, though, like, you know, with C21, right? Like we've seen, you know, firearms being taken away and like our community kind of shrinking because of that, right? Like, well, maybe the handgun guys now that they can't get a handgun, there's not the collaboration and the community there. You know, does that change the way... You know, moving. Can we change it back? Can we change the momentum, or is it just like this new world order, and it's just the way it's going to be that we're all just like we're going to meet up and we're going to meet online, and and you know Zuckerberg will be on there with us, and we'll all be virtually like whatever that it looks like, or can we get back this community? Does that still exist? Is it is it the pendulum swung so far the one way it swings back? Where where do you see that going? I and I, I love what you're doing. It's awesome. Um, but are we? Can we fix where we've gone to in the last two years? I, I definitely think we can. Like, I mean, it's technology, and over over the pandemic has changed how so many people interact with each other. Even you see it so often in, um, you know, online people just shit talking each other, going off on other things, or you know, and then you see them in person. You would never say that to somebody in person, right? So, I mean if nothing is happening in person, how, how can you connect with a human on another human to human level? I'm looking at two screens right now and it's a great conversation. It's awesome. It's the only way this can happen, but I can, I I can guarantee you 100%. If we were in person right now, it would be a completely different conversation, different flow, different everything. Right. And I mean, so if we're going through everyday life where I'm only seeing, you know, my wife and my kids and then I go to work and I see my coworkers and I maybe go to the grocery store and bump into somebody and I go back home and put it on repeat. Well, you know, how can you expect communities to get together again? How can you expect any different than what has happened? So I really believe it can. As fast as it switched this way, which it, it switched quick to COVID, I'd say within three months, we've fallen into this avenue, this road, we've taken this Y. It, that's same, let's say it's three months, a couple meetings, whatever it is, we can go back that other direction. And I think um, like, like something in the military, which is like just negativity is such a seed that you have to nip that bud right as soon as it comes. As soon as that finger is infected, you have to cut it off to save the arm. And it's true about everything with it. Like we are such a negative mindset where we're jealous of other people. We're, you know, I'm not invested in seeing somebody's success that I don't know it all this stuff has happened where it's just so many negative connotations to life now that I think just having some positivity laughing smiling about stuff eating good food having good drinks bullshitting telling good stories it's just so easy and you see it so often with guys and all of a sudden it's almost just like this weight comes off their shoulder and they breathe a bit and next thing you know, they're like, oh, I am going to the range. I am doing this. I am going to have this event. I'm going to have a Christmas party, whatever it is. It happens really quick. And I think as long as people stay positive and focus on the positive side of it, God, we're amazing creatures and we, and humans are so adaptive to it that we can just, we'll, we'll change back so yeah. quickly. Like yeah. uh, the, we are the same, like us here in Northern BC are the same species that are in downtown California and LA right now. 
and living that hustling, bustling, crazy life. And those are the same species that are over in Africa eating mud pie and, you know, having almost nothing. It's, it's, we're all the same species. So, I mean, if we're that adaptive that we can go from so many different areas and landscapes, we're adaptive enough that we can, we can go back into a proper mindset and a proper community aspect to all of, all of this. So I, I really believe so. And I think, and I think by doing that, like we're never gonna, we're never gonna handgun guys are never gonna care about hunting if they never see it and if they never talk to hunters, they never do that. If it's just online, how can you expect them to care? Like it's just it'll never happen. Where you know if if my buddy is you know maybe I don't do competitive shooting, but my buddy is a competitive shooter. I don't want to see rifles go away because I know how much, how passionate he is about it. I've talked to him about it. I understand it now. Like it, it just can't expect any different. Right. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're trying to just change the whole mentality about it. And that's where I think connection is so important. Like it's by truly connecting on all this, it would just, the difference would make it would be wild. Mm -hmm. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been an incredibly negative last few years no matter how you look at it no matter how positive you try to be it's just like hey i'm having a good day you click on the news and it's oh son of a bitch this is happening again and it's 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 tough but yeah you 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 nailed it when you popped by here what a couple months ago we had a great conversation for 10 15 minutes and it was just uh holy shit there's interaction it's 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 tough it's but yeah we'll we'll get there right and uh yeah the, the the handgun sport shooting firearm thing. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other, <laughs> but yeah, and, we, we need to come together we, and we have absolutely. to have that conversation. Absolutely. And I mean, and not to go down a whole nother rabbit hole about it, but whether it's political opinions or religious opinions, any of this, like we are allowed to have a conversation about this. It does not have to be a violent fight to get, to try and, you know, for me to understand where you're coming from. And I don't have to believe in what you believe in to understand why you believe in that. I understand why people are Christian and Muslim and Buddhist and everything else. I may not believe in that religion. I may not follow those religions, but I understand why they are. And it matters to me that they care about something. So it's, I I think it is, it is so important. I think technology has, like it's always a conversation oh you know we spend too much time on our phones we spend too much time on our phones well well then just stop spending so much damn time on your phone like you're you're allowed we're not no there's no restrictions there's nothing you can i could look at my phone go to facebook go to instagram and invite 10 random people to the bar and we can go have a visit grab a table together there's nothing stopping anybody else from doing that and it's and once you do it it's just like oh you know that was good that was really good and you know i don't care if it's BHA pint nights or, or, you know, social nights or banquets or whatever. It's just go do this stuff. You have to be around people. And I don't mean people bumping into shoulders at Costco. I mean, you know, true conversation where you can sit down with somebody and converse with somebody like a normal human being. Well, you brought up a good point about community and about this togetherness and about, you know, I think the, the key takeaway from what you said there for me was, you know, it has to be deliberate. We have to actually make the effort because it's, this is kind of easy, right? Like, you know, you just showed up, we rocked up, you know, Steve's again in his pajamas and we're having this conversation online. It's simple, right? Uh, getting together is not easy. Like it, it's great. It's amazing. And that's why it's probably so great because it is hard to get together. But I think, you know, we have to be deliberate. And that's what I love what you're doing there, 
through your your business, you're creating the storefront, you're creating this this uh, commune, this opportunity for people to meet together, this meeting place. And I think we got to do we got to be very deliberate moving forward because it's like you said, it's gone that far. So let's let's make the effort to get it back. And I know the society's committed to that through our fundraisers and everything. We tried really darn hard to have a spring fundraisers at Kamloops Convention, and you know we in theory we could have done it it just didn't come together but you know i think just being very deliberate moving forward and just you know putting that effort to creating that community that environment again because really that's a bedrock of who we are as hunters right like you think back as hunters in in our space there was always like the fish and game club like everyone kind of if you're a hunter you kind of everyone kind of belonged to it it's kind of how it worked right like who hasn't been part of a fish and game club or a bcwf or a wild sheep in their life very few people right so yeah I, I love that you're being delivered about it you know it's part of your business model is that community and i think it's it's awesome and i think we got to just really perpetuate that and really and again support each other like this this bullshit online where we're always seeing guys picking each other apart over you know long bow versus a traditional bow versus a rifle if it's legal it's legal man like um you know we got to we got to get back to supporting one another and that's what i love about wild sheep is Generally, there's not a ton of bickering. Um, I'm not saying we're immune to it, but it's a general rule. We're we're pretty tight in that regard. Um, for we, it does feel like a family to me, anyway. Absolutely, and I mean, you you want to ha- have a discussion about rifle or bow hunting or whatever it is, great. But go see each other in person and go, you know, not meet in the parking lot to fight, but I mean, go have a beer with that person, not to be open to what they're talking about. Like it's it's just such a difference and it's easy to forget and it, but it's easy to go back to. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I hope, you know, you see these, these giant landscape problems where you're just like, Oh my God, how do you ever tackle that? But it's like, you just, it's the old, like one, one step in front of the other. And we just, you know, keep doing our little part. And if wild sheep does, you know, one showing like when they did trans, like you guys did the transmission showing up here, like that place was packed. It was full. And how many people actually came to see transmission? I, I'd say a good handful, but a lot of people were just like, God, I just want to go do something. Right. So, and it's, it's so important. So if you guys are doing, you know, let's say two of those a year and I'm doing two a year and we can get precision optics to do two a year. It's like, Holy shit. Now we got something going on every month. It's fun. Everything's going, we're having a good time. It's, yeah, we can we can change this shit. We can easily easily change this shit. Just you have to get started on it. Yeah, well said. Awesome, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on the show and and chat and stuff. And we didn't even talk knives. We talked about some of the conservation work you're doing and some of. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got to have you back and and talk about. It. And really, we should do a a mechanics on on knives. We should actually. Um, I was thinking about this at, at one of our shows we need to do uh we should probably do a seminar on on knife care like could you turn that into an hour for us what does that look like for your end absolutely i think i think a big one would be uh just to touch on sharpening like i mean it's the number one question i get with guys is like just maintenance of their knives and i can say oh like I, I offer a lifetime free sharpening. Well, it doesn't do anybody any good when they're up on the mountain, right? So um, yeah. it's a huge thing. I, I think it would be very valuable at, you know, whether it's both at Northern and Southern or just at Southern and definitely could do an hour and just touch on, you know, field maintenance, field sharpening, and then what to do when you get home, really basic stuff. And once you understand 
like everything, once you understand why you're doing something, not just going through the motions of it, then it starts to make more sense and you become better at it. And, and you're kind of doing something with a purpose versus just going through the motions and following step one, step two, step three. Right. Now, so just a refresher for me, and I, I, it's kind of timely now for guys in the off season, um, obviously knife care is a big part of it, taking care of your stuff, getting things ready for spring bear and that sort of stuff. And I think last time we talked, you were advocating for the Worksharps product, that yeah. sort of stuff. That's a good field field product, or what's the best? What like what do you use at home? Um, what should I be using here? What can I do at home personally? Um, I would definitely, if you're the average hunter, you know, going on a few hunts a year, get pick up one of those Worksharp, the pocket knife sharpener or the guided field sharpener. I'll advocate for those, guarantee you forever, and. It's just you can maintain your knife and run that knife just using ceramic rods that are on that. Don't worry about the diamond plates and all the other stuff. Just worry about the ceramic rods. They're guided. You've got you've got um, your uh, your guided angles on there already. And you have a leather strop, so you just you use the ceramic rods. You back strop. You strop it. You pull backwards on the leather, and you can run that knife. I guarantee you could get easily three seasons out of it before you have to reset an edge now if you're looking at like a guy that's doing lots of kitchen work lots of cooking or you know one of those crazy dudes that's you know hunting you know 24 7 kind of thing you are going to want to look at um you know like a whetstone system or something like that and it takes some takes some money to get invested into it uh it takes a lot of time to learn how to use it but um, these are things that like we're going down and doing a seminar at the Southern and having a place where people can come out and actually see what's going on would be really important because uh, things like using whetstones, I, I can't explain on the air. Like, no, like, I don't know if there's anybody, anybody articulate enough that could, um, but it's easy to learn. You can go on YouTube. That's how I learned to do it and just uh, get it getting on there. So whetstones at home is probably is probably the best option. I tell people lots to stay away from little handheld belt grinders and stuff like that. Oh my God, you'll just eat weight. I got one of those. Knife. Yeah, God, I please send it back. <laughs> just it's, um, that's where I tell people about my lifetime free sharpening is I always say, I, I'd be totally fine if I saw every single knife that I ever put out, if I saw it once a year, because I can sharp, I can reset an edge on that thing in five, 10 minutes where it might take somebody else a really long time. Um, and then just maintain your knife during the year with like a pocket sharpener, ceramic rod, leather strop. And then, you know, whether you're using whetstone, bring it to somebody that knows what they're doing, sharpening it or send it back to me for free and I'll, I'll touch it up. But no, I, I just, I tell everybody stay away from those belt sharpeners. You'll burn edges off. The next thing you know, your, your knife is half the size it should be. It's all misshapen. You got waves in it. You're like, what the hell happened to this thing? Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I, I haven't used it on my uh, any of my <laughs> any of your knives, which is good. But <laughs> good, I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny. Like, I mean, it's why a lot of guys go to ultralights and or sorry, they go to like replaceable blade knives. Um, it's just because they don't understand sharpening at all. But I know, you know, you talk to really seasoned guides, and they're even sharpening their their replaceable blades. Like they'll take that scalpel in there they're touching it up out in the field. So it's just, it, it's the same as learning how your rifle operates and how to clean a ba barrel on a rifle. It's you should, you should learn how to sharpen a knife. It's just a, a skill that we need as hunters for sure. Awesome. 
Cool. All right. Well, let's chat more on that offline. So, um, so one last thing, you, you're, I, I forgot to ask you about it at the time, but uh, you talked about a collaboration with Taito. What's the story there? Can you talk a little bit about that or what's, what does that look like? We're just looking at, uh, as simple as it is, we're just looking at our own handles through them. They, they are USA made, um, USA made product. He's building everything in house. Um, if you're looking for replaceable blade handles, we're going to be that Canadian source for those. Um, they're ultra light, cool. they're titanium, super strong, and you know, and you're supporting actual made in America or made in North America products. Like, I mean, it is endless. It's every day that I go on social media, you'll see some new Chinese piece of shit that maybe it's a Canadian company selling it, but it's still all they are is a distributor for a Chinese product. And I just really, really push people that, you know, just because it's a Canadian company or maybe a small company that's starting up, if it's coming from China, you're buying from China. You're supporting overseas manufacturing, which does not need to happen. So, no, we're just bringing those handles up. It's our own sears, our own color. And uh, so guys that are looking for replaceable blade handles, we will have that option. And you never know, might might ma- do matching sets with uh, Mountain Series and where you can get the, the whole mountain matching set where it all all is color coordinated and just in one spot. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've I've ran the Taito stuff before and um don't use the replaceable blade stuff as much, but uh yeah, I have to agree. Great product. I've I've I used that POS that from China that you talked about and uh, my buddy Mike had a titanium one, and it was it, we used it one year and one sheep, and it was we threw it in the garbage, never to be used again. So, yeah, um, and when yeah. when you see you know you see a bunch of different companies selling products that look exactly the same, but it's just different color, different name on it, you're like, whoa, what the what are we doing here, you guys? Like this is crazy. It's just like Alibaba classic stuff that you're reselling here. So, yeah. no, I just sure. I really push strongly for North American manufacturing. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey, Tanner, uh, always love having you on. It's always a blast. I'm super stoked about this um, Blue Tongue series that's coming out. And um, and then you got another knife going down that you and I are working on. It's going to be in Reno as well. Um, totally stoked about that. That's uh, It's going to be awesome. So looking forward to seeing how that does and can't wait to, to see that thing. So Absolutely. Appreciate yeah. you, man. No, I appreciate you guys. Awesome. We'll chat soon and uh, Look forward to the spring and the the grand opening. Absolutely. See you guys then.